we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Every human being wants power in some form or other. Hello and welcome to episode 194 of Urgency of Change. Each episode of the Krishnamurti podcast is compiled from carefully chosen extracts from the archives. The aim is to represent Krishnamurti's different approaches to many of the fundamental issues and questions we all face in our lives. This week's theme is power. Upcoming themes are discontent, being and becoming, and hurt. This is a podcast from Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in Hampshire, UK. Brockwood is also home to Brockwood Park School, a unique international boarding school offering a personalised, holistic education for around 70 students. It is deeply inspired by Krishnamurti's teaching, which encourages academic excellence, self-understanding, creativity and integrity. Please visit brockwood.org.uk for more information. You can also find our regular Krishnamurti quotes and videos on Instagram, TikTok and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review or rating on Apple Podcasts, which helps our visibility. This week's episode on power has five sections. This first extract is from Krishnamurti's seventh talk in Sanan, 1978, titled Why Do We Want Power? Why is the mind occupied so endlessly? The businessman with his business, the artist with his painting, the pianist with... you follow? And you and I, ordinary people, oh, dozens occupations. Why? Is it fear of not being occupied? If you're not occupied, what? What are you then? You follow? If you're not thinking about yourself, how you look, how you dress, how you walk, and how you are your feelings, your desires, your ambitions, your vanities, your arrogance, and all the rest of it, if you don't, if you're not occupied with all that, you might be occupied with the United Nations, <laughs> which is the same thing. I won't go into the United Nations, it's not the right place. So we are occupied with something or another. 
sex, good or bad, no value. Why? Is it because, please look, find out, ask, find out, is it because if you are not occupied you are absolutely nothing? And being, realising nothing, my, my God, I must feel that, I am frightened. So can you be nothing, actually which you are? You may call yourself by a name, you have a particular face and so on, bank account, house, but strip all that, what are you? Strip your knowledge, your occupation, your endeavours, you know all that. What? Those are memories, words, remove the words, remove the memory, can't, you know, not become insane or lose your memory or senility, but actually when you are alive, full of energy, which is being wasted in occupation, when that is not occupied, when there is no occupation, there is tremendous energy in nothingness. Test it out. Don't accept a thing from anybody. So we said, problems, time, space. Man or woman, when I say man includes woman, so don't be women's lib. When we say man and woman, They've always see, sought power, power over themselves, controlling themselves, which gives a certain sense of power in oneself. If you can completely control yourself, you understand? You feel very strong, sense of power, or the power of a politician whom you have elected. Or, like in the totalitarian states, they have assumed power. And power is one of the problems of man. You understand? And there is the other power, which is clairvoyancy, reading thoughts, all that, so-called, the occult. You understand? So are these two types of power, physical, psychological power over another, the power that one, come, the power that comes when there's complete, absolute control of oneself. 
And then there is the power, the hidden power, persuasive power, the power of propaganda, the power of authority. And those who are in authority are always seeking to entrench themselves more and more in power. Right? Why does man demand power? You understand? Why? Why do you want power over another? Wife or husband, the husband or the wife or the girl or the and so on. Why? See, which is power means arrogance. Power implies vanity. I know you don't know. I am the boss and you're not. I am the acknowledged guru and you're a poor chap, you're a disciple down below. Why? Why do we accept this thing? Because that's destroying man, you follow? Because it, again, it emphasizes the me. The me, which is identified itself with the nation, with the group, with the country, and in that identification I feel very strong, for all that follows. And man has never been able to solve this question of power. Which means man doesn't know what it means to be, to have humility. You understand? You understand? Because without humility, You can't investigate. You can't look. Without humility, you can't love another. Without humility, there's no compassion. The man who has power tries to be compassionate, tries to love. That's obviously nonsense. Like a man who is ambitious, he cannot love. So humility comes into being when you understand the nature of power. You, do, you can't cultivate humility. Then what you are cultivating is vanity under the cloak of humility. Right? So. And the same thing. Man now is one of the fashions of passing phase when we are talked about the occult, wanting to find out. The speaker, I'm sorry to bring my, the speaker into this, knows quite a bit about all that. The part of the senses, 
if you are highly sensitive, you can almost read somebody. No? Of course. If you are sensitive to your boyfriend or your husband or your wife, you know exactly, almost quickly before she tells you something or he tells you something. And you can cultivate that, you follow? And have that peculiar power of reading people's thought. Which I please, when I'm talking about when the speaker is talking about this, he's talking what of what he knows, what has happened to him. And we I, the speaker considers all that childish. Absolute childishness. You may be able to read other people's thought. You may be able to do all kinds of non or rather extreme sensory perception. Extreme sensory perception. ESP. With all the business involved in it. If you are caught in that trap, walk out of it. Completely is the most dangerous trap. Because it's only the extension of highly sensitized senses. Then having established all this in our life, order, which means the art of learning, the art of putting everything in its right place, sex in its right place, money in its right place, everything. And you can only do that when there's freedom from this from thought which is always creating problems, issues, because thought is limited. So put thought in such place. Then we can proceed, or rather, from putting the thing in the right place we are beginning to meditate. The second extract is from the second talk at Brookwood Park in 1984, titled Power is Evil. Most of the people in the world believe in God, right? I don't know why, but they do. The ancient literature The very ancient literature, there is no mention of God at all. God is only a recent invention. And that God, whom we worship, whom we pray, who has built the world, created the world, he is the essence of all that, and so on, so on, so on. And 
all of us, most people in the world, are trying to achieve or realize that sense of godliness. But if there is no tomorrow, you understand what is implied? There is no sense of achievement at all, except you do achieve a job, do achieve a certain status, or you uh, have work hard to uh, accumulate a lot of money or power. That, for that there is plenty of tomorrows. Especially for money and power. I wonder if we've ever gone into the question of power. Power of people. Power of the few or the many. Or the power of one, whether you be a guru or a dictator, or the power of the few representing an ideal, holding this immense power to control, shape the human brain, the professors, the scientists, and every human being wants power in some form or another. The man over the woman, or the woman over the man, sexual power, the power of thought, you understand what? power of man who says, I know, and you don't know, I'll tell you all about it, the power of knowledge. So power is evil in any form, whether the power of the Pope or the man over his servant. And all of us want some kind of power. We've never tasted the essence of humility. And innocence. The word innocent means not to hurt another or be hurt. May I go on? Or you want to see the video? Are you actually listening to what the speaker is saying? Listen. Not only with the ear, but listening beyond the word, grasping the significance instantly, not demanding explanation after explanation, description after description. Do we listen at all? Or we're always interpreting what is being said to suit our own condition? our own like and dislike and so on. 
if we could listen very seriously to this fact that all time is now, the past, the present and the future, then the truth has to become extraordinarily vital. It's a living thing, not just a series of words, concepts and beliefs. Then relationship, change and action have a totally different meaning. The third extract is from Krishnamurti's third talk in New Delhi, 1983, titled We Worship Power. I'm asking, is love a reward and punishment business? <laughs> or love has nothing whatsoever to do with thought? I, if you have, if one has a wife or a husband or a girlfriend, which is the modern tradition, what place has love? Is love a remembrance? No, you don't ask these questions. Is love, I give you this, you give me that, exchange, thought, dominance, attachment, possession, is that love? Or love has nothing whatsoever to do with me. You understand that? In love there is no me. Where there is love, the self is not. That means no ambition. No, you don't know this. How can an ambitious man love? How can a man who is pursuing power, either politically, religiously, or the power over a person, how can he love? Do you understand all this? Don't say no, he cannot, but you are caught in that position. You don't see power in any form, political power, religious power, the power of a book, the power of a guru, the power of a leader is ugly, evil, brutal, evil. You don't see that. We worship power. 
don't you? That's why the capital exists. Well, all the politicians flower. We all want power. One form or another. And therefore, where there is power, love goes by the window. And that's why the world is in such a fearful mess. And love has its own intelligence. And where there is love, that intelligence acts, which is not the intelligence of thought, not the intelligence of calculation, of remembrances, rewards. Intelligence, which we can't go into this evening, we are coming to time. Intelligence is not the instrument of thought. So one has to inquire into what is intelligence. The word means not only to read between the lines, but to gather information and use that information intellectually, physically and so on. That's the ordinary meaning of that word, intelligence, in a dictionary. The root meaning, intelligere, is to read between. But we are not talking of that intelligence that everybody has. We are all very clever. We are all very learned. We know too much. But we are not intelligent. When you know, for example, that one of the causes of war, killing other human beings, is nationalism, tribalism. You know that very well. But you are still Hindus, Muslims, Sikhs, you know, all the rest of it. So that though you know the cause of war, you perpetuate in war. That's the height of stupidity. And the people who are in power are that all over the world. The fourth extract is from the third talk in Bombay, 1962, titled We Use Function to Achieve Status and Power. 
struggle exists because there is contradiction outwardly and inwardly outwardly there is the attraction of power position and prestige which is offered to a man who seeks status there is a living with function we have to function as human beings you have to go to the office you have to learn you have to do things a function but with that function goes desire to be more than a function because you use that function as a means to acquire position prestige power and so there is contradiction function breeds contradiction when the desire to use function to arrive to achieve success to achieve power please observe this this is a fact the cook is treated by people not as a function but as a as a, a position a status and therefore with contempt and so there is a contradiction the minister the man of power the man of position the man of wealth you treat with respect with tremendous consideration you treat the man of power because he will give you he can offer patronage so he has he uses his function to achieve status and which you also want and therefore there is a contradiction so where there is function which gives a status there must be contradiction and society is built on this that the function is not important but the status is important the status being power and that contradiction is sustained by society whether it is the function of a minister or of the saint with it goes prestige and what you want is not the function what you respect is not the function but the status and therefore you have contradiction and a man who uses function to achieve status can never be efficient 
we need to be efficient in this world. Because function matters enormously. The rocket that goes to the moon has million parts, literally a million parts. And if any one of those parts doesn't function properly, it cannot go. <clears throat> and the man who designs it cannot seek through that design status. He must love what he is doing, otherwise he cannot make the thing perfect. It's only the man who loves what he is doing, whatever it be, design, structure, who loves what he is doing and not deriving psychological status, psychological position. Such an entity alone can be efficient and not be ruthless. It's the man who is using function for status who becomes ruthless. So, struggle is not necessary to learn a technique. But our education, the society in which you are brought up, forces you not to love what you are doing, but to pursue the necessity of a particular demand of a society. Society now demands engineers, scientists, and everybody becomes an engineer or a scientist because it's more profitable. And very few are real scientists, real engineers, but they are using science and engineering as a means of acquiring money, position, prestige. So they are breeding contradiction. And outwardly there is all the expression of society with its wealth, comfort, progress. And we all want wealth. We all are caught in this mania to achieve success in the world, derive fame.
The final extract in this episode is from Krishnamurti's 11th talk in London, 1961, titled The Power of Love. So the mind which would discover what the true religious spirit is must be in a state of revolution. I mean by revolution the destruction of the force of, of things that have been imposed upon it outwardly or <coughs> imposed upon it by, uh, by, by itself. For the mind is always seeking security. So the religious spirit seems to me has within it this quality of perpetual, constant state of mind which is which never Builds. Which is which never constructs for its own safety. <coughs> because if one Builds, if the mind builds with the urge to be secure, then the mind lives behind its own walls and therefore it cannot, is not capable of discovering anything, discovering something new, or if there is something new. So, death, destruction of the old is necessary. The destruction of tradition, the destruction, the removal, the total freedom of what has been, of what has, of the things that it has accumulated as memory through centuries of many yesterdays, then you might say, then what remains? Because what I am is the story, is the history, is the experience. If all that is gone, wiped away, what remains? But first of all, is it possible to wipe all that away? We all talk about it. But is it possible? <coughs> I say it is possible. Not to influence it, because that's too silly, too mature. But I say it can be done. 
if one goes into it very deeply. Brushing aside all authority, that state of wiping the slate clean which means dying every day to things that has, one has accumulated from moment to moment. That requires a great deal of energy and great inward insight. That's power. Of the religious spirit. And it is another part of the religious spirit is the spirit of power in which is included tenderness, in which is included <coughs> love. Let me put it back. I am thinking it, I am expressing it aloud. So if I use wrong words, wrong phrases, please pass it off. Don't stay with those words or those phrases. As I said, another part of the religious spirit is this power which comes through love. Which is, if I can put it, both the man and the woman. something entirely different <coughs> from the urge to be powerful, from the feeling of dominance, and that power that comes through severe control, abstinence, or the power of a very sharp mind which is ambitious, greedy, envious, that wants to achieve. Such power is evil. Whether it's the power of the politician or of the priest, or the power of or dominance of a husband or a wife, or a wife or a husband. The power to influence people, 
to think in a certain way is evil, whether it's done by the communists or by the churches, by the priest or by the press. Such power to me is utterly evil. I do not mean that kind of power at all. I mean something entirely different. Not only in degree but in quality. Totally unrelated to this thing which is power which is evil. There is such a power as something outside, not provoked by our will, by our desire. And because of the, in that power there is that thing that we call love, an extraordinary thing. part of the religious spirit. Love is not sentiment, has nothing to do with emotion. Or the reaction to fear. Or the love the mother has for a child, or the husband <coughs> has for the wife, or the rest of Please follow this. I'm going to. Don't accept or reject. We are taking a journey together. You might say such love is impossible. <coughs> such a state of mind, which is a love which is not merely a recollection, a remembrance, association. I think one will find it. One comes upon it darkly when one begins to investigate this whole process of thought, of the ways of the mind. And this sense of power, which is not the power of the ambitious and the politician and all the rest of the silly stuff, The power that has its own being in itself. It is, it is energy. The energy that is generated 
by the self, by the me, for the things it desires, pursues, is entirely different from the energy that has no cause. And there is such an energy. That energy can only be found when the mind is free. Is not tethered to time and to space. <coughs> that energy comes into being. And thought as experience, as knowledge, as the ego, as the center, the self, the me, which is creating its own energy, its own volition, with its sorrows, its miseries, its all the rest of it. When that center is dissolved, Then there is that energy, that power, with its love. Then there is another part of the mind, of the religious mind, another layer. which is a movement which has not the outer or the inner. It's a movement. Please follow a little bit. know the outward movement as the objective movement. And from that outward movement there is a reaction to that, and that which we call the inward movement. The going away from the outer, renouncing the outer, or accepting the outer as inevitable and resisting it, and cultivating in reaction an inward movement with its beliefs and its experiences, with its all the rest of that. There is the outward movement, the going out, being ambitious, being aggressive, being all the rest of going out. And when that fails, turning in. We never see truth or God or whatever name you like to call it when the mind is happy, when the mind is delighted in itself. We never want 
nothing. We don't want even to whisper the name of God or truth because it is in itself so intensely alive. So living we are miserable when the outward things have failed, when you are no longer a success, when you are no longer having all the things you want, when you have trouble in the family, when there is death, when there is conflict and all the rest of it, then you turn inward. That's what most people, old people do. We never turn to religion in the true sense of the word when we are young. Because, well, all our glands and everything is working at top speed. We are satisfied with sex, position, prestige and money, fame and all the rest of it. When those begin to fail, then we turn inward. Then we become beatniks or some other rest of it. All that is a reaction. That's not revolution. Revolution is not a reaction. Now, if one sees that very clearly, the truth of that, then there is a movement which is both the outer and the inner. There is no division. It's a movement. It's the movement of seeing the outward things as they are, precisely, clearly, objectively, and that same movement going within, not as a reaction, the same movement, like the tide that goes out and the tide that comes in. It's the same water. Going out is keeping the eyes, senses, everything open, alive. And the going within is the closing of the eyes. I'm using that as a way of telling you, you don't have to keep your eyes closed. The going within is the inward look. Having understood the outer, then the eyes turn inward. Not as a reaction. And the inward look, the inward understanding, is complete <coughs> quietness, stillness. Because there is nothing more to seek, nothing more to understand. And therefore, complete 
stillness of the mind. This inward, I don't like to use the word inward, but we have understood that. It is this inward state that is creation. <coughs> Not the creation of things that man has produced, not the inventions, not the state of invention, not the mind that is capable of inventing, I, that is not creation, the state of creation. This state of creation comes into being only when the mind has understood destruction, death. And when the mind has lived in that state of energy, <coughs> which is of love, only then it there is that state of creation. Now, the part is never the whole. We have described the parts. The, whole, the part is never the whole. The spoke of a wheel is not the wheel. <laughs> but the wheel contains the spoke. You, you can't approach through the part the whole. The whole is understood, not through the power, but when you have the feeling of the totality of what is being said, what, I, what the speaker has said about the various parts of the religious mind. When you get the total feeling of it, then in that total feeling is included death, destruction, this sense of power and love and creation. The total feeling of it. Now, the total feeling of this inward state is the religious mind. But to come to that religious mind, the mind has to be precise, clear, think clearly, logically, never accepting things outwardly or the things which it has created for itself, as knowledge, experience, opinion, all the rest of it. 
So, the religious mind contains within it the scientific mind. But the scientific mind or the spirit does not contain the religious mind. So the two, as the world is trying to marry the scientific world and the religious world, they want to marry them. It's impossible. They will, they will condition man to accept both. But what we are talking is about, about something entirely different. We are trying to take journey together into, into the discovery, discovery, which means you have to find out, not accept what, what is being said. That has no value at all. That then if you accept your back again, the old routine and you are slaves to propaganda and influence and all the rest of it. <coughs> Or if you imagine, because I've described a little bit, and live according to that description, then you're, I mean, it's too immature, too childish. But if you have taken the journey together, and if you are capable of discovering it, then you can live in this world. then the turmoils of this world have a meaning. Because in this total contact, in this total feeling, there is order and disorder. No. You understand? You must destroy to create. Not according to the communists. But the disorder that exists in this religious mind, if I can use the word disorder, you know, it is not the opposite of order. Because we like order. The more bourgeois, limited, mediocre we are, the we like order. Society wants order. The more rotten it is, the more orderly it is. That it was. That's what the communists want. A perfectly ordered world. And also the rest of the world also wants it. And we are afraid of disorder. Now, wait a minute. I am using the word disorder purposely, not as a reaction to the disorder that exists in the world, and, and as a reaction to the disorder creating order. I do not use, I'm not using the word disorder in that sense at all. Creation is disorder. 
This order has order because it's created. So the religious mind the true religious mind is not slave to my time. When time exists, that is as yesterday with all its memories going through today and so creating the future and conditioning the mind. When time exists, this creative disorder is wrong. So, When the mind, the religious mind is a mind which has no future, which has no past, nor living in the present as opposite of yesterday and tomorrow. In that religious mind, time isn't true. I don't know if you understand. <laughs> so can the mind can come to that religious state, and I'm using the word religion as as a word to convey something totally new, not the religions of the world, which are all dead, dying, decayed. So the religious mind is a mind that can only live with death, with, with that extraordinary energy of power of love. Don't translate it, do you love one or many or all that kind of childish nonsense. And it is only Deem the religious mind that can go within, and the going within is not in terms of space and time. The going within is limitless, endless, not to be measured by a mind which is, which is caught in time.
And that's the only mind that's going to solve our problems. Because it has no problems. What any problem that exists is absorbed and resolved on the instant. Therefore, it has no problems. And it's only a mind that has no problems, a really a religious mind that can solve problems. And therefore, such a mind has an intimate relationship with society. But society has no relationship with it. sense of that word religion, a revolution is necessary within each one of us, a total revolution, not partial. All reaction is partial. And the revolution of which we are talking about is not partial, it's a total thing. And it's only such a mind that can be intimate with reality. It's only such a mind that can be friendly with true God or what you like, that can play 